Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support for Away With Words comes from National University, where flexible online classes let you earn your degree or credential on your schedule. Learn more at nu.edu. And by MosiPro Online Backup. MosiPro protects your business's data with simple and secure backup solutions. Information available at mozy.com slash words. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. Martha, ever since there was a fire in our building, the language of fires and firefighters have been on my mind. You knew about the fire, right? Well, not in our building. Not in... (laughs) In my building, in my home, there were nine people in my building who were forced out into the street at 3 a.m. one morning because an apartment downstairs caught fire. Everybody was fine, although I'm afraid their place was gutted and we were out of ours for a few days. But it was interesting to see and to hear the language of the firemen on the job, constant radio crackle and talk and chatter, and they have Mm. their own lingo and stuff. But I was really kind of thinking about the fundamental parts of English, the sayings that we have that are related to fires that I kind of didn't even realize that it played such an important part in the lexicon. Even things like fire in the hole, right? That's what you'd say before you do something dramatic, but it originally comes from from setting off dynamite, right? You drill oh, a hole, right? you put dynamite in there. Yeah, you I put dynamite in was... there, you light it, and you're like, fire in the hole! And then everybody's skedaddle, so they don't oh, get okay. blown up. But it, in the modern world, you send a flame email, right? Uh, a flaming a, email. <laughs> right, a flame email. You have a flame yeah, war with somebody. Right, you send right. vicious, angry messages back and forth. You can fight fire with fire by mm-hmm. using somebody's own tactics against themselves. Um, you can burn something up. You can burn it down. You can burn it off. You can burn it out. You can burn it in. It's like all these different ways that we've we've built into English um, uh, kind of clues to the importance that fire has or has had to us. Right, right. And I Keep assume all home- languages are the same because fire is one of those things that we share with the entirety of the human race. Right, right. Keep the home fires burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have fire in the belly, to yeah. play with fire. Yeah. You're fired, on fire, <laughs> a firestorm. And more and more I'm hearing people say he was on fire for this or he was on fire for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means that he was really passionate for it and, yeah. and wanted it a great deal, right? And yeah. if somebody's on fire, say a, a sports star is on fire, that means that they're doing particularly well. Right. They're probably not going to get fired from the team. Hmm. Well, Grant, I hmm. love the image of you standing out there, you know, your most precious possessions around you, and here you are in your Yes, underwear. I had my computer and my cell phone. No, yes, I'm and you're taking <laughs> notes. You're following the firefighters around, taking notes on their jargon and slang. How much do I love that? How I took a few pictures, that? too. <laughs> Well, fire up your email program and drop us a line if you have a question about grammar or the origin of a word or phrase or regional dialects or slang. The address is words at waywardradio.org. You can also call us. That number is 1-877-W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello. Hi, who's this? Well, hi. Hi, this is John Burnap calling from our nation's capital. Well, welcome to the program. John, what's going on? Yeah, what can we do for you? All kinds of stuff. You know, I got a, I got a question. You guys have such an awesome 
fun show, and, and I've learned a lot, which is, which is good, because my mom said I was supposed to learn at least one new thing every day. Mm-hmm. All right. Have you guys ever heard of the term uh, gazelle on the lawn? Gazelle on the gazelle, lawn. Gazelle, like the, an animal with, you know, antlers that leaps about. Is that like pants on the ground? <laughs> pants, on the ground. So. pants on Gee, the ground. Pants on the ground. you ever heard that term? That's part of a rugby song, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it? So it's nothing to do. It's not like pink flamingos. Like maybe no, in the south me, they do flamingos, in the north they do gazelles. I don't know. No, let me tell you how we, how my family used it. This is something that that my family would use when we were eating dinner. Um, typically, a Sunday dinner at the the house I grew up in, or at the house I got older in. Actually, um, I hope not to grow up. Um, had a at a large glass window in the in the dining room and um when guests were over our parents taught us that um instead of pointing out to um someone in your family that they had left something on their on their face from the last bite and uh, they would say very politely and subtly hmm, excuse me mom gazelle on the lawn and mm-hmm. then um the the guests at the table would look up and and look outside and it would draw their attention away from the fact that my mom could then pick up her napkin and <laughs> Wipe her face. Aha, uh-huh. very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that's a burn app only thing. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to be able to tell you that it is not a burn app only thing. It's cool. A, yeah, yeah. It's at least 100 years old. Oh, no, actually, maybe I should wait to be excited and figure out where exactly it comes from. It may not be good. <laughs> well, you know, I can do a little bit of digging right here on the spot, and I've come up with um, a couple of things to tell you. First of all, if you want some background on this term, I highly recommend the Family Words book by Paul Dixon. He has an entry for this. It's always the same story. You're at the dinner table. Somebody has got some food on their face in, a, in an awkward place, and so just a polite way of nudging them and saying, you've got food on your face. You say, there's a gazelle in the garden. I assume this is when you're having dinner with the minister and you don't want to, you know, you're putting on your best behavior. I don't know. Something like that. Well, that's, actually, that's exactly right, because our next door neighbor was the minister. Oh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> how did I know? You're really good. Listen, how about a lottery ticket number for next week's Powerball? <laughs> but, John, this would only work one time, and, and I could see, you know, saying, oh, is that the mailman or something? But gazelle on the lawn, I mean, that's so ridiculous. Doesn't it call attention to the crumbs in the beard anyway? Wait, wait. You you say it would only work one time. That assumes that we would o- we only had one guest that we would invite over. <laughs> well, no. I'm just saying how weird we had is it friends. That? What, whatever those other people have said about my family was not true. We had we had friends who would come over to eat. But John, the late no, night John, digging in the yard meant nothing. John, I can, I, John, I can imagine saying saying, "Hey, look, a golden retriever." But gazelle on the lawn? I mean, a lot of our euphemisms work this way. We all know what they mean. We all know, right? We say the F word instead of actually saying the actual word. And everyone knows what we mean, but we get away with it because we didn't actually go all the way. We went 99% of the way. I don't know. We we got a lot of pretty strange looks when we would say gazelle on the lawn. Uh, That's nice. I bet you did. That's nice. I had a retriever in the tree. There's a retriever in the tree. Let me... uh, Let me share something with you, and I don't know that this is the origin of it, but I love this little anecdote that I found. This is in the Journal of the Asiatic Society of Bengal, the November 1906 issue. And there's a a story here from the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula, uh, which is basically now Yemen and and part of uh, Oman, I think. Here's the story. It's a short version of the story. There are uh, two men and their sons eating at a table. And the father of one of the men gets some rice in his beard. 
And the son says to him, Father, there's a gazelle in the garden. And his father says in response, We have sent after it the five expert shots. And he takes his hand and he brushes the the rice away from his beard. So that was the response that he gave, basically calling his hand, his five fingers, the five expert shots to go get the gazelle to shoot it, right? Very interesting. And so the other father sees this and later he tells his son, well, why don't you say that the next time this happens at our dinner table? Then everyone will think that you are clever and that I have raised a clever son. Unfortunately, the next time that it happens, the other little boy says, Father, you know that thing you said yesterday? Oh, it's in your beard. <laughs> the father says, "The father says, no, no, no. Your mother's an ox because you know the son didn't get it right. You know he, right. he kind of ruined this whole. You know they wanted to look incredibly clever and incredibly you know mannered and cultured and stuff. What's interesting about this story to me, most interesting, is that in Arabic the word for garden is often used as a simile for the beard. And so it actually works very well in Arabic in a way that it might, be, might not be obvious in English. So, Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So you get a double layer there. But then you get this is exactly the same thing that you use, only it's a story translated from Arabic into English more than 100 years ago. That's very cool. Yeah, and you know what? It? Now I'm going to go share this with my family, and they're going to think I'm really bright and clever. <laughs> well, our pleasure. Just that's yeah, you the don't have idea. To tell, you don't have to tell them about us. That's fine. No, I, I will. I will. I'll tell them about you because I think plagiarism is the highest form of flattery, and I'll tell them that you guys were the smart <laughs> ones that dug it all up. Well, I, you know, whoever wrote this article for the journal a hundred plus years ago, they get all the credit. <laughs> John, this has been keep fun. Keep doing what you're doing and keep educating us with those with those <laughs> words. Thank you for your call. <laughs> you have a great day. Will do, John. Bye bye. One eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. That's one eight seven seven W A Y W O R D. Grant, the Tom Swifties keep coming into our mailbox, and I have a couple of others from listeners that are that are just great. Let me um, let me tell you one, or you guess what it is. How about that? Okay. I have a spotless driving record, Martha said, recklessly. Um, oh, ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Call us with your Tom Swifties, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send them to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, this is Cassandra from Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, Cassandra. Welcome. Hi, Cassandra. Hi. I have a question for you. Good. Um, We just had a baby, and um, we didn't want to have a shower or a sprinkle, I guess, with your second child. Sprinkle. And um, we wanted to know, we wanted everybody to come over and meet the baby, Mm -hmm. But we can't find a word for a party like that. Uh, Meet the baby. First of all, congratulations. Babies are wonderful. What's what's the baby's name? Uh, The baby's name is Nicholas. Nicholas. Okay. So you want to know what you'd call that party? Something other, I assume, than a welcome home party. Welcome baby party. (laughs) Show and tell. (laughs) Brag and drag. That's the Olympics. (laughs) Yeah. I tell you, there, there is a name for this event where you. Have people, family and friends, come over to the house to meet the baby. Of course, you can call it a newborn party or a meet the baby party. But a lot of people call it a sip and see, as in sipping wine and seeing the baby, a sip and see. Or sipping coffee. Ah. Or sipping coffee or sipping tea or milk or whatever. Well, yeah, the baby will be sipping milk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So so there's a word out there. A lot of people use it. If you Google this, you'll actually find a lot of great instructions on um, how to throw a really successful sip and see without stressing the new mother and without stressing the new baby. Awesome. Thank you so much. We looked everywhere and we couldn't find anything. And so is this your first child or you have a, you have a couple? 
This is our second town. Second, so. okay, very good. And how is it with two? My wife and I are discussing this, and I really want to know. <laughs> um, two's not, it's not as bad. as Well, we spaced them about four years apart, so. Okay. Okay. Not as bad, you say? Not, so, not, not as bad as everybody has led me to expect. Oh, <laughs> I bet okay. it's beautiful, right? So, yeah, they're really great. Well, congratulations yeah. on the baby, Cassandra, and thank you for giving us a call today. Thank you so much. All I appreciate right. that. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye. Well, if you need a word, call us 1-877-929-9673 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Martha, I have a riddle for you. Please. The lazy schoolboy hates my name, yet eats me every day. But those who seek scholastic fame to hunt me never delay. What am I? Oh, the lazy schoolboy. It's not candy bar. It's um, uh, time? Is it time? No, no. It's roots, but two meanings of roots. Roots of words and roots you can eat. Ah, man. (laughs) That's an old-fashioned one. That's from more than 100 years ago. (laughs) Send us your questions about language to words at waywardradio.org or give us a ringy-ding on the telephone to 1-877-929-9673. Coming up, can our quiz guy outsmart us this time? Nah. Stay tuned for a puzzle on Away With Words. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And we're joined now by our quiz guy, Greg Pliska. Hiya, Greg. Hello, Grant. Hello, Martha. Hello, buddy. What's going on there? Uh, You know, I'm uh, coming out of my obsession with the Olympics. Yeah. Trying to recover. Yeah. It's like being in uh, the 12-step program. (laughs) I have it all on DVR so I can watch it over and over and over again. Oh, that's scary. We have a quiz there for us, a puzzle, something amusing. This week we're going to have twice as much fun because the quiz is all about words with two sets of the same double letter. Okay. Basically, I'll give you a clue for a word or a phrase that has two sets of double letters in it, and you guess the answer. Okay. Okay. For example, I might say the place where you learned the three R's. Um, Wait, are the letters next to each other, right? Uh, they're, no, they are, the pairs of letters are next to each other. So the, a pair of letters in one place and a pair of okay, letters in the other. Okay, very good. Right, right. Okay, well, school has one L. Oh, no, maybe it's school something. You're right, uh, school something. Um, it's not the new school. school no, that's door. spelled N-E-W. School, school room. Oh, school, school room. School room. Oh, okay, oh, okay, school room. Uh-oh. Sorry, there we go. <laughs> it's going to be tough, right? <laughs> it's going to be good. All right, so let's okay. try some of these. Okay. Um, All right. All right, here's your first one. A flighty person. The letter is B as in boy. Um, a flighty person is a... Jabber, jibber, jibber, jabber. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's another good one I almost used, boy. jibber, jabber. Jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber-er. <laughs> um, flighty. Flibberty gibbet? Flibberty gibbet! Oh, Woo! crazy! All right, here's, uh, here's one that's a hyphenated word. Meaning spontaneous or informal. Uh, I can tell you that the letter that's doubled twice is F. Daffy did. Um, boy, this is tough. You mean spontaneous or what? Or informal. Well, it's not riffraff. It's not like like you go. You know, you have you have a conversation with a rep- uh, with a reporter, uh, and there's on the Off record. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Whoa. Oh, there we go. Off oh, excellent. The cuff. 
All right, here's one you'll get quickly. It's the name of a Rossini opera whose overture was used for the Lone Ranger theme song. Well, Tell, but... William Tell. William, oh, William Tell. Tell. There you go. <laughs> Two double L's in his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about this 1960s expression of approval used in response to an attractive man or woman? Hippy-dippy. No, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, cool... Cool daddy-o. Oh, that's nice. No, that doesn't work. That's though. nice. It doesn't have uh, double. There's three Ds and three Os, but not four of any of them. Hubba hubba. Oh, hubba hubba. There that's you go. It brings 1960- you back, doesn't it, Martha? That's from the 1960s? <laughs> yeah. All right, here's a couple more. Here's one with a double, double P in it. And the clue is fen-fen and similar drugs. Okay, fen-fen is a weight loss drug. But it's also illegal. Uh, and how does it help you lose weight? Um, <laughs> pee-pee. It makes you pee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pee-pee a lot. It's a diuretic, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it does that. It does something else <laughs> that involves lots of peas. Um, really? Um, Four peas. If you want to lose weight, one way to do it is to stop eating so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So in order to stop eating so much, you need to do what? Suppress your desire to eat. Oh, Suppress you gotta... appetite. Appetite suppressant. Appetite suppressant. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Here's a proper noun. It's the name of a certain hairless bear. Grizzly... A hairless bear? No, grizzly isn't hairless. <laughs> it's a proper noun. It's the name of a certain hairless bear. Who has hairless. a hairless bear? Fuzzy Wuzzy. Fuzzy Wuzzy, of course. <laughs> Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. Oh, of <laughs> course. I knew we, you'd finally be on a roll if we went back to, like, children's <laughs> rhymes. All right. These are – I've got another another set of these that I call double, double, doubles. Oh, no. Oh, no. Where okay. – This sounds like are, the Olympics. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of the Olympics, there are two answers – to each clue, two possible answers, okay, and each of them has the same double pair of double letters. Oh, Lord right, of let's mercy! Let's have it then. Okay. How about uh, two answers for this one? A uh, word meaning gossip that has two pairs of double T's. Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt oh, good. is one. Prattle. No. Scuttlebutt. Very good. Mm. The other one is a little less common. Uh, might also mean someone who tells on somebody. Tattletale. No. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Tattletelling. Tattler. <laughs> Tattle. I'm looking for tittle-tattle. Tittle-tattle. Okay, very good. Another word yeah, that for works. gossip. Mm-hmm. All right, and let's finish off, if we may, with some triple doubles. <sighs> These are phrases, actually were in one case a word, but also phrases that have three pairs of the same double letter. <laughs> Wow, never before attempted on the radio. Yeah, exactly. This is is the Sean White of puzzling right here. (laughs) This is going to be massive. (laughs) Yeah. Epic. Epic, dude. Epic. Uh, Here's your clue. Pardon me, but have you seen this? The Chattanooga Choo Choo. Chattanooga Choo Choo. wow. Three double O's in that phrase. Wow, that was massive, Grant. (laughs) Epic. (laughs) And this one, I'll give you one more. This has got 
This is a, a single word, three pairs of double S's, what poker players try to exhibit facially. Poker players? You want to have a poker face? You want to? You want, right. don't want to a, give any tells, any with, clues? A poker you want to look cluelessness? Oh, you're, you're on the right track. Really? Yeah. Lessness at the end is really good. Oh. Um, a smile is, is an example of a facial Expressionlessness. Expressionlessness. <laughs> ah, there we go. Yeah. Woo! Wow, this was a hard one. This is we're just gonna change this to the come up at section of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. <laughs> Everyone thought you were experts until now. Totally destroyed that oh, illusion. Oh man. Yeah, but I'm sure some of our listeners did really well on this. Greg, this was huge. This was hard, but it was fun. Thank it was you. massive and epic. You guys are good sports. Thank you. If you'd like to talk about grammar slang, punctuation, or words, and how we use them, the number to call is one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. One eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. And don't forget, you can stay in touch with us all week on Twitter. We're there under the username Wayward. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, this is Elizabeth, and I'm living in Tallahassee, Florida. Well, welcome to the program, Elizabeth. We're glad Hi. to have you. You. I'm calling because I have a pet peeve with the word realty. Uh-huh. The mis- most people mispronounce it, and it just drives me a little nutty. Do you think we should change the spelling? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> just wondered. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It. <laughs> I know what you mean. Give me some examples. Okay, I have this friend who owns a real estate company. And I called him up one day, and it, and he answers the phone, Smith Realty. I said, John, you're a realtor, and you don't even know how to pronounce the word. Can you pull out your business card and look at the word realty? <laughs> you know, and he, of course, he's never changed saying it. And then I have this girlfriend, and she always mispronounces realty, realtor. And I'm Karen. The word is realtor, realty. And she says, well, I'm from North Carolina, and that's the way we pronounce it. <laughs> I said, Karen, it's not a colloquialism. It's mispronounced. Mm. And but I just thought it was funny. I heard your show one evening a couple of weeks ago. I said, I've got to call somebody about reality. Mm-hmm. Do you feel better now, Elizabeth? I really do. I finally got someone that will listen to me. Most people go, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I guess we better not say that, Grant. <laughs> no, no. No, seriously, I feel, I feel your pain. I, it's not a regional kind of thing, as far as I can tell. It's just people misunderstanding, mispronouncing the word. Well, I understand why they do it. It's because real estate, you know, two different words, and so they just transfer that over to the the singular, singular word, you know. And what's going on there linguistically is what we call metathesis, where the letters, they, they do a do do right there in the middle of the word in terms of the pronunciation. And, and you know what? I used to drive every day past a realty college, and yeah. every time I would look at it, I would think it said reality college. <laughs> and I was thinking, I know some people who need to go there. In fact, I need to go to reality college. But, um, I think I do, too. <laughs> it's a tricky word, right? Yes. Well, you know, words change over the years, you know. You're um, right. They get by how they're 
you know, use. Mm-hmm. And they'll just That's say, right. well, let's just change it. <laughs> You're right. And, and we all have different uh, pronunciations for things. In fact, I think you and I pronounce the word R-E-A-L a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Real? Yeah, I was just thinking, listening here, listening to you, you're cracking up to myself because uh, you're both, <laughs> it sounds a little more like real than it does real. <laughs> well, that, now see, that could be my southern accent. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. It's, it's a fine line between mis- mispronunciation and an accent, though. Right, so. Oh, <laughs> right, right. So no, you, you're, you're fine. It's a legitimate pronunciation, and actually, there are pockets of that. Uh, I, I call it the meal mill merger. Uh, you'll find that around the country where people. Uh, those vowels are starting to become more like each other. And there's an interesting thing to be said about Realty and Realtor, and that is that Realtor has two, at least two, legitimate pronunciations, Realtor and Realtor. And so it's already made the transformation to having two different legitimate ways to be said. And Realty probably is, as you say, Elizabeth, not far behind in having two legitimate pronunciations. But the thing is, there's that schwa sound before the L that tends to get transposed with the L, as Martha was saying, the metathesis, mm-hmm. and that's what's throwing people. It's just, it sounds more natural mm-hmm. in the mouth. It feels, it feels more right for the L to precede that schwa sound. I see. Elizabeth, I'm glad that you're relieved and you're feeling better. You should go and have some cake and ice cream. I think uh, I will. Top it off, you know. Have a good day. A little <laughs> few cherries on top and maybe a stiff drink. Oh, yeah. All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. Thank <laughs> you for calling. Thanks for listening. We're, we're glad to talk to you. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Right, bye-bye. bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Sometimes you just got to get that stuff off your chest. You do. And you, you can gotta... do that by calling one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. They can also send an email to words at waywardradio.org, and they can talk to other listeners on our discussion forums at waywardradio.org slash discussion. Hi, you have a way with words. Good morning. This is Paris Romero in Fallbrook, California. Hello, Paris. What's on your mind today? What can we do for you? My mother and I are having an argument that's lasted more than a year. Wow. Are you still speaking? You must be tired. <laughs> We're still speaking. We love each other, so the arguments are just for fun. Okay, oh, okay, okay. My mother is multilinguistic. She was born and raised in Denmark and then moved to the United States when she married my father. So words and using words and the content of them is a frequent conversation with us. And the current argument is about the word text. We have cell phone plans with me and my children, and we are texting each other. Mm-hmm. But when I just completed a text, mother says that I just text. And I say, no, I texted. So for her, a text is both the present and the past tense of the verb to text. Correct. Right. There's no ED there for her. Correct. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the thing is, well, we've got a dilemma here. We have a problem because the, you now have to tell your mother that she's wrong. Yay. <laughs> maybe text and, her. Yeah, maybe text <laughs> Just her. Just break it to her. <laughs> so she doesn't swat you or something. <laughs> Here's the thing. and I can. She's not the only one to make this claim. The problem with text is it ends with that, that T sound that sounds a little bit like it already has the past tense affixed to it. Mm-hmm. It already sounds like an ED word, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, the sound of the word is alone, alone is sufficient to make it feel and act like a, the past tense form. And so I can get it. And there are many people since text messaging and texting became became popular who've made the same argument that she's made. She's definitely not alone in that. But if you look at the evidence and you look at all of the authorities on the subject, the dictionaries and the grammarians and so on and so forth, and even if you just look at the popular usage of this verb, 
by yep. far and away to something like a a value of five nines, as they say in the in the science world and in the computing world. That is ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time people prefer the ED form. But in any case, so your mother's wrong in this. Now your dilemma is: how do you tell your mother you're wrong so that she feels like she won? Um. Well, I'm not going to send it to her in a text because <laughs> then she'll just hit delete. I won't get it. More than likely, I'm I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do the happy dance, but I'll probably first tell her, you're number two, which is our family slogan. <laughs> We're number two. We're number two. Right. <laughs> so number two I'll have harder. her do the chant and do the happy dance, and then I'll tell her she's wrong, and that's why she's number two, and I'm number one. Well, Paris, thank you so much for calling today. Thank you so much for helping us end the argument. <laughs> okay, stretch before you do that happy dance, okay? <laughs> yes, I will. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Paris. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Call us with your arguments. We'll make your house and home a happy place. one 929 Or at least we'll sow some more discord. You can send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Grant, I have another Tom Swifty for you. Yes. Go to the back of the boat, the captain said. I don't know. The back of the boat is called the... Um, aft. No. Um, I don't know. Sternly. <laughs> oh, stern. Doy. I was trying to give you a clue. With the go to the back of the yeah, boat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I know. Send us your Tom Swifties, words at waywardradio.org, or call us 1-877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Wally from New York City. Hi, Wally. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Where are you calling from in New York? Uh, Queens. Queens. Where in Queens? Jackson Heights. There we go. I know Jackson Heights. I lived in Astoria for a while myself. I like Astoria. Do you have Astoria for us? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm originally from outside of Athens, Georgia. Oh, okay. And I have a question about a mother, a word my mother uses. And the word is swanee. And how would she use it? She would say, um, well, I swanee, and she would use it to express mild surprise or mild disbelief. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to uh, phrases like, I declare, mm-hmm. or I never, or you don't say, along mm-hmm. those lines. Mm-hmm. Do you use it yourself? I never have. You know, thinking back, maybe my mother's the only person I've ever heard use it. You don't hear it in New York? I've never heard it in New York. <laughs> <laughs> They don't use that What's in Hindi or in Jackson Heights. <laughs> they don't. What's up with those New Yorkers? I heard this all the time growing up from my Virginia-born mother. Really? A swanee moth, Anne. And she used it exactly the way you do. It's a very Southern expression. And the idea there is, I swear, but it's, it's a little bit more delicate than I swear. A little I more swear. polite. A little more polite. That's right. And the idea there is um, probably that it goes back to... A dialectal term in England, I swan ye. It's short for I shall warrant you. That is sort of like I swear, right? I swan ye. I warrant you that this is the truth. So just a corruption over time, let it turn out to be Swanee? Yeah, and I oh, love it. So nothing not- to do with the river, of No, course. no, nothing to do with the Swanee River. I but, wondered. Yeah, it, yeah. So if somebody said that, to you in a deli or something there. What would that do? <laughs> How would that feel? That would uh, be out of place. Yeah, I just... <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I just... I remember moving from Kentucky to upstate New York to go to college, and it was such a... such culture shock. I'm sure you experienced the same thing, huh? Absolutely. 
Well, uh, how, how do we do, Wally? Is that, is that enough? That's perfect. Okay, That's great. great. Thank Th- you for calling us. Thanks for bringing back those memories. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, if you've got a question about something that your mother said, something old-fashioned, something quaint, something that makes you think of home, give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Stay tuned for more of your calls about language next on Away With Words. Away With Words is sponsored in part by iUniverse, supported self-publishing. Is there a book in you? Information available at 1-800-AUTHORS or online at iUniverse.com. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. A while back, we had a call about false friends. You know, those words and phrases in other languages that look like English words, but they aren't really. Like the fact that the word gift in German, G-I-F-T, means poison. And the word in French for bread looks like the English word pain, P-A-I-N. Well, that prompted some lively letters from listeners. Kathy wrote from the University of Maryland to say... As a cataloger, I sometimes notice what is awaiting processing at another person's desk. More than a decade ago, I was surprised to see a book with the title, Die, Marx Brothers. Imagine my relief when I realized the title was in German. (laughs) (laughs) And Hope wrote to us from St. Paul, Minnesota. She said, when my college-age son returned from visiting Armenia, he was delighted to show us his favorite purchase, a box of soap powder called Barf. Now, this sounded too good to be true, Grant, so I did some digging, and it turns out that there is indeed a detergent named BARF. What? Yes, yes. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yes, and if you go online, you can find all sorts of photos of BARF detergent. And it turns out that the reason is because the Farsi word for snow is BARF. So it makes sense that something that's supposed to get your clothes nice and clean is going to be called by the word that means snow, in this case, BARF. Very good, And supposedly this is a popular detergent in the Middle East, and something tells me that the manufacturers probably also doing a booming business among tourists who buy the detergent just so they can go home and you know with a box of <laughs> yeah, barf I bet. I bet. you know yeah, smell my clothes i wash them in barf <laughs> <laughs> but you know i'm also sure that turnabout is fair play and they're probably english words that cause no end of hilarity for people who speak other languages as a first language so we'd love to hear about those or if you brought home a souvenir from another country because you were so tickled by a box of barf or something else Give us a call, 1-877-929-9673, or send an email about it to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Nancy Gratch from Danville, California. Hi, Nancy. Well, hello, Nancy. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. I'm tickled to be talking with you both. <laughs> Great. What's up? Well, I have been wondering, as I've been trying to expand my culinary skills, why, when some foods are dried, their name completely changes? Um, case in point, uh, grapes to raisins and plums to prunes, and actually a whole host of other products, but those are my two big ones. Are you discussing this with um, family and friends, or how did this... Well, I, I have been visiting this foodie website for recipes and there's a little place where you can blog about this that and the other and i started off um thinking about this when i was making enchilada sauce and it turns out that most 
chilies when they're dried. In fact, virtually all chilies when they're dried changes names. And so I started blogging about this, and everybody started piping in. <laughs> Apparently, uh-huh. this is confusing to a lot of people. Oh, okay. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that being a problem. And, and what about uh, food that is the, it's the same food item, but it has a different name? Remember our famous green pepper and mango call, Martha? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, I and had that um, discussion about garbanzo beans and chickpeas. Mm-hmm. Another thing as well. Uh, they're not the same thing, garbanzo beans and chickpeas? I they think are, they, they are. Okay. Uh, but so many recipes, uh, I, I guess it's regional. I hope you can tell me a little more about that. But um, when I started blogging about it, there were a lot of people that either said, I didn't know garbanzo beans were chickpeas, or if they were on the east, it was, I didn't know chickpeas were garbanzo beans. Well, the the grape and raisin thing, I think, and the plum and prune thing, we can talk. That's definitely a language answer there, right, Martha? We get raisin and prune from the French. And in French, a grape is a raisin. It's spelled the same way, just pronounced differently. And in French, a plum is a prune. It's spelled the same way. And when we borrowed the words for grape and raisin, and we borrowed the words for plum and prune, we borrowed them at different times through different paths and different language channels. And so when they showed up in English, they became kind of differentiated for two, two different names for the same food item in a kind of two different conditions. And it's kind of the same thing that's happening with peppers. The peppers have an extra element, though. They... When peppers are cured, when they're sun-dried, a lot of times other things are done to them, and they take on the name of the process by which they are dried, or they take on the name of the place which started that particular kind of drying for that particular kind of pepper. They're different ingredients, right? That's the key is. A dried pepper is a very different thing from a, from a whole um, fresh pepper. Yeah, and think about cucumbers and pickles. Right, oh, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of so so all these different reasons. But the key is, I think what what solved this for me years ago is just treating them as separate ingredients, and they are not the same thing. You you would almost never use a dried pepper in the same place that you would use a fresh pepper or a dried grape. Very good. Uh, almost never, right? Uh, plums and prunes, the same story. You'd almost never use them. So they're they're. I mean, in my house, we have a joke that, that garlic powder is an ingredient because we use garlic powder all the time, but we would never substitute it for a recipe that requires whole, fresh, crushed garlic or, or roasted garlic or any other kind of garlic because it's, it's an incredibly different ingredient. It does a different thing and serves a different purpose. And it, it comes into the dish in a different part of the cooking process. And peppers, it's very important to add them at the right pro- part of the process, the part, part of the cooking, so that you get the right results. And, Nancy, I think you've keyed in on, um, on something that's very true for Food names and flower names, sometimes they're just kind of squishy, and people uh, yeah. call different foods different things around the country. Same with flower names. A lot mm-hmm. of times the names the aren't consistent yeah. across across the botanical world, and um, I guess since well, we all, plants, all, all life is like <laughs> that. Yeah, there's a, some of the birds. There's a bird out here uh, in California called Stellar's Jay. It's a beautiful blue bird. It's not as raucous as the ones you find in the Midwest, and it has something like 11 different common names. It's and that's the that's the other trap is trying to make sure you're always talking about the same plant or the same ingredient by the the same name. So yeah, you just it, start and using certainly as uh, these websites develop. Um, we learn a little bit about each other on each side of the coast. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nancy, so, good luck with your cooking. Yes. Well, I feel so much better informed, and I won't be so resentful now when I have to call something a raisin because. I understand it a little bit better, so thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for calling, Nancy. It was a pleasure to talk to you. 
All right. Thanks for helping out. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 If you've got a question about food words, we'd love to answer them. We always do. one 929 That's one 929 Or send an email. We'll both read it to words at waywardradio.org. Hi. You have a way with words. Hi. This is Kara Foster from Rockwood, Tennessee. Well, hi, Kara. Hello. How welcome to the program. All right. Well, I have this question. My husband and I have been... Um, wondering about i'd like to know um where we get the notion of the boogeyman oh the notion or the or the term for it well the term for what's the history behind that if you know any of that where where did the where did people start picking up the boogeyman will get you or that's something i grew up hearing Uh Mm uh-huh and why were you and your husband talking about it um, well, I think I have an idea I've, um, from some traveling about where it came from. Somebody once told me, this person um, told me while I was uh, in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, um, I was looking at a statue of um, one of the slave leaders, and someone told me that the expression, the boogeyman, comes from him, his name being Bokman, I think, and uh, he started was one of the leaders in the slave revolt. That led to Haiti's freedom. Ah, hmm. I hadn't even and heard what, that one. Yeah, I haven't heard that either. What, what year would that be? Do you remember? Um, I think probably late 1700s, close to 1800s. Hmm. Sounds yeah, a little it, late, it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's late. The all there's a there are a wide variety of terms that are like bogeyman, boogeyman, bogey, boggart. Uh, actually, if you know Bug-bear. the Harry Potter stories, you know what a boggart is, right? Right. Uh, there are a wide variety of terms that are all very similar, one syllable or two syllable. Um, bogle, bogey, boggart, boogie, um, boogeyman, bogeyman, bug. They're all probably related. They all have these generally negative contexts. A lot of them are used to refer to some vague, mysterious. Um, demon or imp or some kind of evil in the darkness that you don't really know about this thing Mm -hmm. that might somehow get you. And it's usually pretty ill-defined, although you do find it pop up with a lot of terrifying description in folk tales and folk stories. There's some speculation that it goes back to some Welsh words and perhaps that the roots of this lie in the deepest parts of the the Celtic and the Anglo-Saxon origins of some of the British dialects of the British Isles. I think it's important to note that we have this group of words with the B and the G sounds, and even hobgoblin fits into this. Mm. And and goblin itself, uh, a lot of these words have these same sounds, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to find that somewhere along the way they're all related to the thing that might get you in the dark that, that preyed upon people. I don't know. So, Kira, bottom oh. line is we don't know, but we know it's earlier than the revolt in Haiti. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks. You've cleared up something, though. It's good to know. Yeah. yeah well, right. some, sometimes that's all we can do. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, thanks Our a lot. Pleasure, and, Kira. and be good because you know who will get you if you don't. <laughs> Boom, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Man. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if there's a word that's tickled your curiosity, we'd love to hear about it. one 929 Or you can ask us an email. That address is words at waywardradio.org. Martha, I have a riddle for you in Spanish and English. Ah, que bueno. Sure. Okay. ¿Qué es lo que va de aquí hasta California sin moverse? What is it that goes from here to California without moving itself? Um, the highway? 
Yes, exactly. It's the road, El Camino. <laughs> Autopista. <laughs> of course, you and I, you and I live in California, but for the rest of the country, <laughs> sí. El Camino Real. <laughs> sí, me encanta. Send us your riddles in any language, as long as you've got an English version, to words <laughs> at waywardradio.org or give us a call on the telephone, 1-877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Ethan from Reedsburg. I uh, have a question about the word hanyak. It's a, a word that I heard a lot when I was younger, when my parents used to sometimes call my sister and me hanyaks. Mm-hmm. And years later, when I was in college studying to be a teacher, uh, I was working with a middle school teacher who told a group of her students that they were acting like a bunch of hanyaks. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, I couldn't believe what I was hearing because here was someone using a word that I had always thought that my parents had just made up and I hadn't heard it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've, I've asked numerous people whether or not they had ever heard the word before or if they knew what it was. And I have never met another person who has ever even heard of the word. Mm-hmm. And so it really made me wonder what the word meant, uh, where, what its history was, and just how it could have possibly made itself into my family's vocabulary. What did you think it meant based on the context of how you heard it? Well, usually my parents used it when my sister and I were being kind of silly or goofy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, I guess, how the students, when the teacher I was working with, how they were acting, too, I guess, at the time. And do you have any idea how they would have spelled it? Well, I don't know exactly the spelling. I just, I guess I've spelled it just as it's pronounced phonetically as H-O-N-Y-O-C-K. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's one example of this word. There are lots of different variants of it, but uh, you will find this word in uh, your part of the country and especially out west. And it comes from an old word, hunyak, H-U-N-Y-A-K, which um, which was kind of a pejorative. T- I mean, for a while it was a very pejorative term for um, immigrants to this country from Central or Eastern Europe especially people from Hungary or Poland. And over time, it became a much more innocent-sounding term. People would call uh, little rascally kids hanyakers and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's at least 100 years old in English, um, and there's, it's well-attested across a wide variety of literature. There are a lot of forms, hanyak, hanyak, hunky, bohunk, hanyaker, uh, a lot of different stuff here. Um, for a long time, and even kind of currently, it's been used to mean a rube or a yokel or even just like a, a layabout kind of person, just a lazy lout. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it was very interesting. I just, I've always wondered because it's just a word. Seriously, when I was a kid, I thought it was my, a word my parents had just made up. Right, your own mm-hmm. personal word. Right. <laughs> anyway, Ethan, you old Hanyaker, thank you for calling. Well, thank you very much for helping. It Now it all makes sense, and, and it explains just what a Hanyak is now, and it can put a, a, a location with it now. Yeah. Sure. Well, excellent. The light bulb's on. Right. Thank you for calling. Thank you for having me. Uh, all, right, all right. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Goodbye. If you're curious about a word that your family used that you've heard no one else on earth use, give us a call. Maybe we can help you with it. 1-877-929-9673 or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Martha, why is O the noisiest of all the vowels? The noisiest? It's Mm -hmm. in the middle of 
noise? It's in... Uh, Close. Oh, it's between Be- N and... No. <laughs> it's <in> between. <laughs> because you can't make a horrid, loud noise without it while all the others are inaudible. Oh, all the other vowels are in the word audible. Well, also, inaudible means you can't hear them. Right. Share your riddles with us, your jokes, your pranks, and whatever else to one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send them along an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hi, you have a way with words. Hello. This is Tori Kazrowi calling from Fort Worth. Hi, Tori. Hi, Tori. Welcome. How are you doing? I have a question I hope you can answer. It is, what is the difference between a lexicographer, a linguist, and a wordsmith? So a lexicographer, a linguist, and a wordsmith walk into a bar. I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you thinking about this? Well, my husband and I caught the tail end of an interview with, I think it was a lexicographer, and got talking about, well, I thought that was a linguist who did that. And we were, Hmm. you know, going back and forth and figured, well, Martha and Grant will know. We'll ask them. Well, is there a lexicographer in the house? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact. Hello, over here. I am a practicing lexicographer. It's not a religion. It's not a pastime. It's a profession. (laughs) And what it means is that I compile and edit dictionaries. And that is the basic definition of a lexicographer, or thesauruses. But that's the basic definition of a lexicographer. And a linguist, on the other hand, is somebody who almost always has some schooling. If they want to get work as a professional linguist of any stripe, they have professional schooling and probably a doctorate or, or, or even more schooling than that, if possible. They study and analyze language or languages and, and all aspects of it. The, the body of linguists in North America probably numbers on the order of 10,000 or more. Uh, I, I think the Linguistic Society of America itself has more than 2,000 members. And so there, there are a ton of these. Now, you probably know the non-academic meaning of linguist as somebody who speaks a lot of languages, right? Linguists actually are, are more interested in people misspeaking and, uh, and just discovering why people make errors than right. they are in actually hearing people speak well. Right. They're into the mechanics rather than mm-hmm. prescribing that one should do this or that. And, and so the third thing that you asked about, Tori, the third person, was that a wordsmith? Yeah. Yeah, a wordsmith is somebody who is simply good at writing or editing writing, editing the printed word. Anyone can be one, and there are probably, what, a million of these in the United States? A lot of people are really great with language, and I would call all of them wordsmith. Wordsmith, however, is something that's best applied to you rather than you applying the term to yourself. Ah. Tori, so I hope we've helped you kind of work out the distinctions on lexicographer, linguist, and wordsmith. You have. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That's our show for this week. If you didn't get on the air today, you can leave us a message anytime. That number is 1-877-929-9673. Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. And you can stay in touch with us all week by following us on Twitter. We're there under the username wayward. Stephanie Levine is our senior producer. Our technical director and editor is Tim Felton. We've had production help this week from Josette Herdell and Jennifer Powell. From Studio West in San Diego, I'm Martha Barnett. And from San Francisco, I'm Grant Barrett. Thanks to Howard Gelman for engineering our show from the studios of KQED Radio. Adios. I'll see ya. You say either. Support for Away With Words comes from National University. Change your future today. Find out how at nu.edu. And by MozyPro Online Backup. MozyPro protects your business's data with simple and secure backup solutions. Information available at mozy.com slash words.
Thank you for listening to the program today. I want to tell you, though, before we go, that Away With Words is independently produced and distributed. Consider making a contribution to help keep this program strong. Just go to waywardradio.org slash donate. Thanks.